Hello, friends, and welcome to a golf podcast unlike any other. This is Fairway Rollin' on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Every week on Fairway Rollin', it is myself and our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, talking all things professional golf, amateur golf, amateur betting, professional betting, amateur drinking, professional drinking by Birdie Buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week. Available on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am not the usual voice you hear at the top of the show. It's Ben Solak sitting in the host chair, got my big boy pants on, doing yet another of one of our uh, daily episodes here, Monday through Friday. I am joined today by my dear friend, (laughs) whom I have not spoken since we finished the draft coverage and all went into our little holes to hibernate for the summer. Danny Kelly. DK, what's up, baby? Not much. It's great to see you. It's great to see your face, smiling face. It's great to hear your voice. Uh, like you said, it's been a little while since we talked. I think it's been just like right after the draft. We all kind of, like you said, went to vacation and and just decided to have a normal life after grinding the draft for three months. I'm about but, to say, uh, yeah. after, after all the draft work, I did want to not talk football and I also did <laughs> want to not see or talk to any one of you for an extended period of time. But it has been too long. You're Good getting summer? that itch again, though, aren't you? Yeah. For football. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's uh, training camps. Once teams start showing up for training camps and you start getting on the road, then it it, it feels real again, real again, which is scary, but it's fun. Anyway, how's Calvin? Summer good? <laughs> he's having a good time? Oh, yeah, he's great. Calvin is my three-year-old son, for those who don't know. Uh, and he's Everybody awesome. better know. If you don't know that, stop <laughs> listening to the podcast. We don't want you here. All right. Today, uh, we're actually at yeah, draft reduxing a little bit. We are talking about the most exciting rookie receiver as we project out into the 2022 season for those who forgot and i don't know if you did or how you did but jamar chase set a couple rookie receiving records last year he's pretty Uh, good 1455 receiving yards the most in regular season history which passed the record set by justin jefferson his ex-college teammate just a year before these rookie receivers have been playing extremely well over the last couple years chase also uh, most uh, most receiving yards in a single game by a rookie. That was 266 in that game against the Chiefs. He had the most postseason receiving yards by a rookie in NFL history. That was 279 even before the Super Bowl. A uh, lot of records for Jamar Chase. I don't think we're going to get a Jamar Chase-esque season, 
from one of these rookie receivers, but I think we've seen enough rookie receivers be impactful in year one that it's time it's time to start talking about and figuring out which ones are really going to boom for their team. But a couple of teams really need it. So DK, floor is yours to start of the rookie receivers. Who are you most excited to see? So that question in particular, I don't necessarily know if this guy's going to be the best or going to be, you know, hit the ground running exactly. But I'm most excited to watch Traylon Burks for the Titans just because I think answer. he has the most, he's the highest variance receiver, maybe the highest variance rookie in this class. I mean, honestly, I was super excited about him. I know that you were high on him coming into the draft. Very explosive player, big time player down the sideline, uh, catch point prowess, all that stuff. But there's questions about his route running. There's questions about, um, you know, the nuances to his game. He's going to be very raw. Is he going to be more on the LaVisca Chenault spectrum than, you know, the AJ Brown spectrum? So there's just tons of questions. Listen, about listen, him. listen, the LaVisca <laughs> Chenault breakout is coming. Okay, you just wait there, Tiger. <laughs> um, but my question is, of course, what is he going to look like when we actually start playing games? Because there's been all these reports that he's out of shape um, for training for the OTAs. He, he couldn't even finish like an OTA practice, which is, of course, concerning. Um, there's also concerns about just his ability to get into the offense right away because he is so raw as a route runner. So I just I just can't wait to see what happens with this. I, I really don't know what to think. Like, where are you? Where do you stand on Traylon Burks heading into the year? Burks is also the one I'm the most excited about. And listeners of the Ringer NFL Draft Show will remember that Burks was was my preferred receiver coming into the draft. I thought it was going to be uh, the best pre-landing spot. If you could have hand-picked the landing spot for him, would pick Tennessee because if he is going to hit, if he is going to work, like you said, he's going to work on the A.J. Brown spectrum, where it's just, all right, here is an enormous man over the middle of the field who's able to take on contact, uh, catch over that dangerous middle of the field, and then turn up field and, and create something after the catch, which, which is what he did so well at Arkansas. Uh, anybody following... Traylon Burks in Tennessee, however, will know that <laughs> minicamp was rough for Traylon because of uh, asthma complications. Is the is the the uh, the term used by Teron Davenport, the uh, NFL writer for the Titans for ESPN? is a wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, he has uh, reading from again Teron's piece. This was like from uh, a few days ago. Burks worked on conditioning with a separate trainer by riding a stationary bike during minicamp practices. On-the-field reps were impossible for Burks, so the Titans put him to work in the classroom to get the installation process down to be prepared in time when he steps onto the field. So they are expecting that with, like, you know, I'm assuming like allergy meds and more specific asthma treatment, that he will be able to be on the field. But they're like, there's a, there's a lot of wrinkles for a rookie receiver to be good. Asthma attacks in the city of Nashville. It's not one that you expected to have, but his legitimately his sensitivity to whatever's in the air in Nashville. Cause like whenever I go to the Southwest, like I get allergies, like I've never had in my life, like in the Northeast. So I get it. It's just like, whenever that's got to get, that's the first thing that I would like to see get handled before we even get to like, can he deal with all the volume? Can he be NFL corner ones? I'd like to see him breathe successfully on the football. Field. Finish a practice. And apparently. Yes. Apparently that's something that's going to happen. Um, I actually saw that his college coach, Arkansas uh, yeah, head coach, Sam, Sam Pittman. Pittman, he was talking about how he, he didn't know what the deal with the asthma was, but he basically was saying uh, Burks came into camp really out of shape as a sophomore, and it took him a while to work his way into it. Of course, you can look at this as, um, you can look at it as a neutral thing, like, oh, of course, by the time camp comes around, he'll get into shape and he'll be ready to go. Or, like, uh, of course, you could look at it as a negative, like, why does this guy not in shape? <laughs> so, um, again, He's the most high variance rookie receiver, I think, in in this class. 
I think he has elite upside, but of course, he also could be a kind of guy who just really disappoints as a rookie. So um, I'm just really excited to see what happens with this guy because um, I think the talent is there. And, and like you said, the fit is there because he is so good, like that run after the catch um, talent. He's really fast. He's really big. I think it fits this what the, what they want to do in this offense, um, but he just has to put it all together. Yeah, so A.J. Brown's rookie season in Tennessee, which you have to remember, they drafted him in the second round, not in the first. And initially, he wasn't starting because you had, you had to get Tajay Sharp as reps, baby. Just got to, had to get Tajay <laughs> out in the field. NFL teams, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so with only 11 starts, but 16 games played in 2019, uh, A.J. Brown, 52 catches for all, 1,051 yards, baby. That is over 20 yards a pop, uh, as well as eight touchdowns. If the Titans can get 1,000 yards out of Burks, which in a 17-game season with the amount of volume that he should see, given the fact that A.J. is gone, uh, Corey Davis is gone, Julio Jones is gone, it is Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook-Akina, Robert Woods coming off of injury, and who do they have a tight end? Like Austin Hooper? Austin I think? Hooper, I think, yeah, is the like projected it is, starter. He should get enough volume to have a 1,000-yard season. And right now, if you were asking me which, which of the rookie receivers is going to pick up a 1,000 yards, after I hear about asthma-related information <laughs> and I hear good news, yeah, I would yeah. then say that Traylon Burks is, is, is the most likely. Um, so Burks was also my pick for the most exciting receiver. With that said, there is a very clear, in my opinion, second guy, which is the dude playing in the Arthur Smith offense who is going to get very sim Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a similar conversation, but this is Drake London in Atlanta. And he was the first receiver off the board in... in, in uh, When's the draft? April? Late April? Yeah. Late April, April, yeah. Yeah, I always want to say it's May, <laughs> but no, it's late April. They moved it around um, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Drake London was picked eighth by the Falcons in a position where we didn't know. Like, it was Drake London could be first. Garrett Wilson could be first. There was the sneaky, maybe uh, James Williams is going to be the first receiver off the board conversation. London ends up the pick, and the reason why is evident. Arthur Smith likes huge players. That's always been the approach for him. Uh, Atlanta led Julio Jones leave, right? He he got to Tennessee. Lost Calvin Ridley last year to the year-long suspension for, he had his injury and then he had the gambling suspension. And that's a whole mess. Had very little receiver talent to support Kyle Pitts as their rookie tight end who obviously like had a good season and looks like he's going to be it, but it's not like he like revolutionized the sport as some of us were hoping. Year two, I think should be really fun. The best receiver they had behind that was Russell Gage and then he left in free agency. And Russell Gage is a, is a fine player, but Russell Gage is not a big. And Arthur Smith exclusively accepts and plays bigs. 6'4", 215, Drake London. Talking about like if Burks is, is on the field for long enough, he'll get enough volume for 1,000 yards. There is no competition for London to get targets. The only competition is Kyle Pitts. And like, Pitts plays X receiver and London also kind of plays X receiver, but that's just like a, 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 a legitimately a moot point in terms of how this offense works. Like Pitts as like a quasi tight end, quasi receiver, London, they're both going to line up out wide. They're both going to line up in the slot. They can both freaking line up as actual tight ends. Like they, they, they can they be attached to the formation. London can block the way Corey Davis used to block. He is going to get immediately easier than Garrett Wilson in New York, easier than Chris Olave with the Saints, 100% of the snaps when he's playing in this offense. I thought London was a tremendous receiver at USC. I thought that he deserved to be a first-round pick. I thought he deserved to be like a top 15 pick. I think that he's going to be a great contested catch guy. There are a lot of things I loved about him. Boy, oh boy, 
is the speed important? And that that is the main that's the main thing with London is that unlike a Chris Olave, who I think is a very high floor, unlike a Garrett Wilson, like very clearly was the a- athlete that is the caliber of the NFL. And like, even though I didn't love his film, whatever, clearly athletically he's going to be able Explosive, to hang. Right? Yeah. London, it's like, all right, he's going to be awesome. Unless he isn't because he's not fast enough, in which case he's going to be terrible. There's that, 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 that strata is really worrying, right? That, that big difference between ceiling and floor is scary. And so London is a guy that I'm very excited to see in the sense that after like one game, after like a couple of preseason games and then like a, a couple of regular season games, I'll be able to tell you, yeah, he's, he's going to be good. He's going to dominate this entire year. Or they missed. They just simply, like they, it's, it's going to be that stark, I think, in terms of London's movement skills. And so I'm very excited for the potential, but I'm also excited just to see him because so much of his evaluation was like, I, I love that he's clowning on these Oregon State corners, but I really want to see what it looks like against the NFC South. And we finally get to see that. I think it's going to be telling the way that they utilize him. I think, the, like you said, the ceiling here is that he can move him around and play every position in the offense, play the X, you know, line up on the outside. Um, but one way to mitigate his potential issues in separating against corners and things like that in the NFL is to move him inside, get him off the line of scrimmage, give him a free release, things like that. Maybe that that can be a way that they kind of mitigate things in year one. Um, you know, I, I know he played a lot in the slot. He did. He was actually featured on screens way more than you'd expect for a guy his size. He's a weirdly good yak player for being a four, six, whatever. <laughs> right. It's just kind of bizarre. He's just kind of got like a beast mode mentality. Um, he broke a ton of tackles after the catch. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be, one, like you said, the, one of the most fascinating rookie receivers this year because he's. I think it's almost guaranteed he's going to get the playing time. He's going to get the volume. It's just what can you do with it? Can he separate? Can he separate at this next level? Um, you know, Does he have the route running chops to be an X receiver or are they going to maybe feature him more in the slot in year one? It's just, I think there's just a lot of uh, potential outcomes here that's going to be fun to watch. And I think... I, I lean that he's going to be really good. Like, I think he's going to be really productive as a rookie. Same. Um, but that question is like, you know, the speed question is a, a legit thing. And I think that he has to prove that he can separate. This isn't a fair game because you're a fantasy analyst, which means you have to know this. But okay, Drake London is the Falcons wide receiver one. Who's their wide receiver two? I mean, is it going to be Brian Edwards? I Like, I don't know how that's going to all play out. Olamide Zacchaeus is maybe another guy that they're going to have My guy. running a lot of routes. Loved Olamide like, coming out. Great. And they also got Auden Tate, by the way, which feels like sort of a feels like an arbitrage version of of Drake London, just like a big, tall, catch like jump ball guy. So he I don't will know. only ever play the bigs, right? <laughs> Zacchaeus yeah, they, is there for his returner ability. Yeah, he just happens so. to be the right. third receiver. He's his Khalif Raymond, Drake London, Brian Edwards, Auden Tate, just absolute basketball team of receivers for Arthur Smith with Cordero Patterson another actual receiver at running back. Yeah, that's a good point. Like he might actually be more just of a pure receiver for them. It's again, another interesting position to watch. They they have just this um, weirdly like interchangeable offense where everybody can do a little bit of everything. So it, that's going to be fun. Yes. All big boys who can run after the catch. It is Arthur Smith, just <laughs> fever dream on offense in Atlanta. <laughs> All right. Uh, outside of round one. So we've got, you know, Chris Olave is there. Jamison Williams thinks it's going to be very fun when he's healthy for the Lions. Garrett Wilson, the Jets offense is just extremely perplexing to me because like none of these people have ever played together for a long period of time. Like who does Wilson want to throw it to? Like Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, or Elijah Moore. I don't freaking know. There were no sample size. Uh, and then Jahan Dotson in Washington is like a perfectly fine player. And, and then Washington is just terrible. Okay, so outside of round one, 
Who are you excited about? What's another name that kind of piques your interest here? So I'm going with Sky Moore for the Chiefs. And I think ob- the obvious, you know, the low-hanging fruit here is that it's the Chiefs offense and they just traded Terry Kill. And, and now there's there's a sort of a vacuum of production that's potential here. Can he step in and be the guy in year one? We'll see. You know, he's coming from a lower-level school against lower-level competition. He's got to prove that he, um, you know, can play in the NFL and separate and do all the things that he was doing in college at the NFL level. That's, you know, a big if, I think. But the skill set, I think, really matches what the Chiefs need, which is, um, as you saw last year, like Patrick Mahomes' yards per attempt, his, his ADOT all kind of like went down as teams started to like do more cover two against him, you know, protect against the big play. They may have to do, you know, sort of like a more dink and dunk offense. You know, it's obviously not going to be like as dink and dunk as a lot of teams because they have Patrick Mahomes, but um, they're going to have to matriculate down the field. And I think Sky Moore fits that perfectly. He's a really... Um, shifty guy off the line of scrimmage. He can separate. He's got huge hands. He's a really reliable like catcher of the football. Can run after the catch. His skill set really fits what they need to do. Um, but again, he has to prove he can get on the field. He has to probably rotate in with Juju Smith-Schuster, who's going to be, a, I think, a slot receiver for them. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, he may not even play early on in the season, but I am very excited to kind of see what he can bring and if he can earn reps right away. Yeah, Skymore is the low-hanging fruit. I very much agree. It's the easiest answer. It's like, <laughs> oh, I wonder if he's Mahomes throwing him. That's exciting. Where, okay, actually, this is like kind of an aside question, but you're here as a fantasy guy. Where where do you fall on like how good Juju's going to be in this offense as opposed to like drafting the sexy young rookie in Skymore? Because to me, Juju has always been a very, 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 very talented player. And now he's actually a very, 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 very talented quarterback. And I, in my head, I'm like, okay, it's Juju. Like, the money's not right, but yeah, Juju's going to be extremely good. Is that too much of a simplification or what? No, I think I think purely just based on, like you said, the offense and the need for someone to step in and, like, be the main guy other than Kelsey, I think Juju is going to be that guy. And um, he has potential to kind of right the ship with his career and get back to what he was doing early on in his career. I think, that it, like, probability-wise, he's going to be... Like it, it's most probable that he'll be like the number two in this offense, and I think he'll um, be pretty solid. But who's the number one, Kelsey? Yeah, Kelsey. I mean, just like de facto pa- pass catching hierarchy. I don't think Marcus Valdez Scantling is going to be a high volume type player, although it sounds like he's been really impressive in training camps um, or in OTAs, I should say. But yeah, I think Juju is the most probable like de facto number two, wouldn't you say? Yes, I think that Juju is not going to be the highlight reel player for the Chiefs, but I think he's going to be the more valuable player for the Chiefs. I wouldn't be surprised if, in terms of stick moving and putting together drives, Juju is as, if not more valuable than Kelsey, just because last year was one of Kelsey's lowest years. I think it was his lowest year in terms of like yards per route run, dot yards after the catch. And they're like, All right, we don't want to be, we want to pay our stick mover $6 million, and we want to pay Kelsey to go create explosives. So we're going to get Juju here that he can do stick move for us so that Kelsey can do what he actually does really well, better than a lot of people, which is the explosives. Marcus Valdez-Scanley can do the explosives. And Sky Moore and Michael Hartman can fight for like screens and reverses that go really far down the field. But like that, to me, that's that's more like gadgety as opposed to, I don't think Sky Moore can handle the volume that Juju does. People forget, man, living over the middle of the field in the NFL sucks. You got to be tough as nails. And that's what Juju's been for a long time. So yeah, oh, I'm excited for Sky Moore. My receiver outside of round one is Alec Pierce, who I forget how much we talked about Alec Pierce during the NFL draft shows, but big Alex Pierce guy over here. 
Uh, for those who don't know, he was the receiver out of Cincinnati. Uh, Desmond Ritter's favored target along the outside. He was drafted in the second round, 53 overall, one pick before Sky Moore, to the Indianapolis Colts. That's interesting. And, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Never been a Pittman guy. Uh, I'm perfectly fine with Michael Pittman's eight-yard curl routes. I think that like that's he does that really well, and that's good, and that's helpful to the offense. But like the Colts are really enamored with this idea of Michael Pittman, wide receiver one, 120 targets, and it's like, okay, I don't the. It's not that I would rather give Pierce 120 targets. I don't think he's that dynamic. I just don't see like this like stars and scrubs Devontae Adams with the Packers receiver construction in, in Indianapolis making sense. Like if they wanted to be like all Pittman all the time, he's dominating corner ones. And then just like, we have the occasional Paris Campbell game, the occasional, what's the Ashton Doolin game, the occasional Alec Pierce game. Like that, that to me does not, I don't rate Pittman even near that, let alone like, oh, I could kind of see it, but probably not. And so to me, Matt Ryan, who has always been accustomed to kind of having this star receiver, if they try to work him that way with Pittman, I don't think they're going to find as much success on offense as if they just let Ryan be point guard and let this Frank Reich offense work in the way that it, it has always worked, which is distributing a lot of targets over a lot of different receivers. In which case, I think Pierce has the talent to be impactful in year one. He is a high-caliber athlete, ton of starting experience at Cincinnati, so the onboarding should be a little bit quicker as opposed to some of these guys guys from gadgety offenses and guys who are like one-year starters and guys who aren't necessarily NFL size. Think about like your Wandale Robinsons and your Calvin Austins and your John Mechies and your Tyquan Thorntons of the world where like there are athletic or experience deficiencies. I don't think Pierce has any of those. Pierce is an ex-volleyball player, really good above the rim. So he brings contested catch stuff. He brings downfield stuff. Ryan's arm isn't the best for downfield. And so I don't think that Pierce is going to be able to be like super high volume, but I do think he gives them field lengthening skill, field stretching skill that maybe they'll be absent of with with, with T.Y. Hilton currently not in the building. Uh, and so when you're thinking about this Colts offense, I, it's going to still be underneath. It's going to be Pittman on the underneath stuff and it's going to be Naeem Hines and the underneath stuff and and whatever. Tight ends. But when you, yeah, yeah when, when you go, but when you go to lengthen it, I think you'll get Mo Cox creating intermediate and downfield stuff because he's so big. And you're going to be creating, getting Alec Pierce stuff too. And I think that Pierce can stay on the field. I think he's going to be above Paris Campbell on the depth chart, above Doolin on the depth chart. And I think he's going to be able to get those explosive gains. And so big, I, I was a big Alec Pierce fan. I didn't know if we'd be getting a round two Alec Pierce, but we did. And that, <laughs> that, that made me happy. And I do think that the offense can be better for receivers than it has been. The Frank Reich offense in general, because quarterback wise, I think that Matt Ryan is not just the best they've had since Luck retired. He is clearly the best. Phillip Rivers, you know, Obviously, career-wise, incredible. But like that era, Philip Rivers was like Naeem Hines, hundred targets, and I just Matt Ryan is old, but he's not that old yet. So I think it's gonna be better for receivers in general. I think that Alec Pierce will be the beneficiary. I totally agree with you about the Matt Ryan thing. I think it's like a bigger variable than people are making it out to be. So, like you said, I kind of cover fantasy football really closely, and I think that could be such a key for unlocking. You know, I think Pittman is gonna have a good amount of volume, but I also, like you said. Matt Ryan's just going to be so much better for this offense in general. Like he's going to rise, he's going to raise the 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 roof on in terms of like their overall potential, the amount they can score, the amount they can pass, the number of plays they run, um, you know, the speed at which they run their offense. All those things I think are going to like improve this year. And Alec Pierce could be the you know one of the main beneficiaries of it. Is there a guy in the NFL that he kind of reminds you of? Like, do you have a comp for him? I'm trying to remember who I wrote it down when he came out. 
Like in, in this offense, yeah, I think about what Alshon Jeffrey was to the Eagles when Reich was there, right? And oh, obviously, I like, that one, yeah. like prime Alshon, relax. Like Alex Pierce, well, maybe we'll get there. But when Alshon was starting to get a little bit older, which is what he was with the Eagles, he was a little bit more like, all right, I'm going to run a third and five slant or I'm going to run a nine route or I'm going to run a deep comeback. And like that was kind of all he lived with. But it was enough, right? It was sufficient for the offense because all the middle of the field stuff was going to be like their tight ends. It was going to be their slot receivers, right? And that's like where you're going to see more Pittman. You're going to potentially see, right, like more Mo Cox. And then the, the running backs are going to be really involved in this passing game. Taylor and uh, Naeem Hines alike, you know, and Hines will spend time in the slot and whatever. But in terms of your outside of the numbers, got to get a bucket, third down, plus also like some explosives on early down play action. While Pittman is good there, I would not be surprised if throughout the course of the season, Pierce begins warranting more and more of those targets. That's what he does well. And I think he does that at a higher level than Pittman does. I wrote down Gabe Davis. What do you think of that comp? Like, stylistically, usage-wise, big playability, um, you know, the ability to play down the sideline outside the numbers, like you said. I think those are there's some similarities in their games there. Before this offseason, I would have told you, yeah, I like that. The way the fantasy community is treating Gabe Davis right now, you would think he's the second coming of Calvin Johnson. <laughs> right. And so I'm not sure I'm uh, um, I'm, I'm comfortable with that anymore. Um, but yes, That's Davis's fair. usage also in college was very similar to Pierce's. Davis a little bit more run away from you. Pierce is a little bit more get on top, like get on top of you physically, right? But still, like in terms of the heat map wise, route distribution wise, very, very similar players. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Anybody else feel like shouting out? Taekwon Thornton? I, I am actually kind of intrigued by that. I was going to say... Wandale Robinson, just because I want to see what the, what the plan is here. Obviously, he went a lot earlier uh, to the Giants in the second round than I think a lot of people expected him to, to go. Um, and that would, you know, indicate or, or tell us that they have a big plan for him in their offense. And, and, and with Dayball, you know, running the show over there, I just think there's a lot of interesting ways that they can utilize him. I, I don't have super high expectations for him to, like, really produce in year one, but I'm just excited to see how what they want to do with him kind of deal because he's obviously very small but explosive. He has that positional versatility to kind of be like a hybrid running back slash receiver. He played running back in college for a while. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I want to throw throw out Wandale Robinson. Wandale for the Giants. For the Giants. I am so 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 interested to see what this Giants pass catching core looks like, and by interested, I mean kind of dreading. Yes. Uh, very, very weird <laughs> room. Fascination. Shout out yeah. Brian Dable. Uh, <laughs> I am legitimately, earnestly, honestly, non-ironically interested to see what Velas Jones Jr. looks like in Chicago. Because, yes, because that's it's a like, great all right, one. That's a great one. Was the pick good? No. Was it made? Yes. And in that <laughs> it has been made and it is now history and it is now dust. Right. What remains Can't to be seen it. is... Can they stretch the field? If Justin Fields is going to work in the NFL, he's going to work as an explosive downfield passer. I don't love Darnell Mooney as a player overall, but I do think he's a good downfield receiver. And I do think that if Vilas Jones works, it is working as a downfield field stretcher. So I don't think the Jones pick was a good pick. I don't think they're going to get return on their money. But if they do, it is huge for Fields. It is huge for that, that offense. It is huge for the positive development of the Bears. So very important pick. I would have picked a different receiver. But very important pick, and I'm kind of interested to see what it ends up looking like. Because, listen, we us draft people on the internet, we have been wrong before, and brother, we will be wrong again. So, uh, Yeah, I like that one, too. Like, Justin Fields, big game hunter. He wants to push the ball down the field. He wants to, uh, I mean, play vertical, right? And and I think, like, 4 three, one speed. V- Vilas Jones Jr., as a 25-year-old, he got drafted because he runs a 4 three, one, right? Or whatever it was, 4-3-something. Um so I'm absolutely with you. I, it, I almost kind of want him to just like ball out this year because so many people have been making fun of him for being 25. Um, I'm almost like rooting for him. And I, I've been one of those people that's making fun of him. Just like in the history, like you, you look back at, at the way that the NFL drafts, like drafting a 25 year old, like is not, you know, it's not going to work out all that often. It's just, there's a reason he, he didn't break out till he was like a fifth year senior or whatever. And he's 25 years old playing against a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year olds. So, um, Hopefully it translates, and I think the skill set does translate. Um, but I'm I'm definitely rooting for him now, just because I want to push back against sort of everyone making fun of the Bears for drafting a 25. Shout out the Chicago Bears, ever the the most reliable drafters <laughs> of the NFL. Not in the sense that it's good, but in the sense that you know what's going to happen and that it's going to be bad. <laughs> All right, thanks, DK, for joining me here. Uh, This was Rookie Receivers. We are excited to see, and there are a bunch of them. Romeo Dubs, baby. Green Bay, better than Christian Watson. Just Uh, had to sneak that out. I had it written down, too. Uh, Thank you to Carlos Chiraboga, who did our production on this episode, and Arjuna Ramkapol for his additional production supervision. You can find five episodes a week in your Ringer NFL feed from now until the week one season kicks off, and then obviously through the season. We also do five episodes a week then, too. It doesn't stop, but the... The preview. You continue to do podcasts. The previews are now five (laughs) days a week on the Ringer NFL feeds. Make sure you subscribe. I thanked people. Uh, Keep listening. That's how you do an outro.